0: you. Mm-hmm.
1: This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin.
0: Episode 116 Haunting at Hensdale House Over the course of the show's running episodes, we have told many stories of houses plagued by some form of residual energy. Despite the nature of each episode, every story is unique in its own right. Such is the case of this week's story. Join us as we retell the story of an ordinary family venturing on a life-changing adventure to a new home in the country. However, what lurks within the woods just outside their home really tests not only their sanity, but their ability to survive. Hensdale, New York is known for its small-town rustic atmosphere. Named after a New Hampshire town with the same name, it finds itself tucked away in the countryside. With a population of less than 3,000, it's no surprise the crime rate is so low. This is perhaps one of its many appeals the main reason many venture to the area though is for its views of the hearts felt mountain lined in lush foliage and dense forests in 1970 the dandy family in pursuit of the american dream made the move from buffalo to the small town of hinsdale after having visited the area numerous times in the past they had stumbled upon a listing for a home in the area. It couldn't have came at a better time. The mother of the family, Clara, believed that the family thrived when they were in the Hinsdale area. There was something about the mix of the air, the picturesque backdrop of the Hartzfeld Mountain, and the charming small town. As the house came into view, she felt that same feeling as it washed over her. She knew they were finally home. The house was large enough to support the whole family. It was everything that they had ever wanted. The vibrant green forest surrounding the home added to its inviting nature. Clara was overwhelmed by a feeling of peace and comfort the second she stepped foot inside. The house was over 100 years old and contained much of the original woodwork and carvings. It was a very elegant house. Parents, Clara and Phil, set out to finish touring while the children, Mike, Beth, sometimes reported as Tina, Laura, and Mary spent time playing in the yard and exploring the woods around the property, while being shown the storage area under the stairs. They found that the door was stuck. It took Phil a couple of minutes of persistence and muscle, but he was finally able to get it to open. The room opened up to an aged area that had clearly not been touched in a very long time. Unlike the rest of the house, it was very dusty and unkept. There was an old fireplace and debris lying around the room. Clara felt an odd sense of unease the moment they walked into it. She was unsure why. However, she was able to quickly dismiss her feelings and continue on. Both Phil and Clara were ready to commit right away. After closing on the house, they were finally able to move in to their 100-year-old home. Clara's brother assisted in the move process and was able to get a start several hours before the family were able to arrive. As he opened the front door to unload the first box, he was met by a swarm of flies and bees. He swatted them away and continued into the house to sit the box down. To his surprise, he found hundreds of dead bees littering the floor. When he looked around the room, he found even more bees alive and coating the windows. He found this to be strange and out of place, as it was still cold for the time of year. It was an odd time for such an infestation. When the family finally arrived, he told them of the situation, and they were forced to contact an exterminator. The strangeness of the situation was also confirmed by the exterminator. He stated that he had never seen so many bees and flies in one area. Also, given the time of year, it was not normal for them to swarm nor infest anything. After spending some time getting rid of the insects, they were finally clear the family could move in. As time progressed, the family started to feel the same feeling they experienced when they were shown the house. They were finally at peace. They were even getting along better and enjoying spending time with one another, a significant difference from their lives in Buffalo. Over the following weeks, the family had made the new house their home. Their son Mike had made friends and began exploring the wooded area that surrounded the property. One day, while hiking through the woods, they were stopped in their tracks by the sound of crunching leaves just ahead. For fear that it may be a bear, the boys took refuge behind a large tree. At that moment, they spotted a boy, not much older than them, carrying a rifle. Mike yelled out, This is private property. To their surprise, the boy didn't react and kept walking. They then began running after him and were surprised to find that he was transparent. As they inched closer, they found that half of the boy's head was also missing. They continued following, keeping a steady distance. They followed the boy all the way back to the lake... Where he vanished completely. The boys took off running back to the dandy house, shocked and wanting to tell someone of what they had seen. Clara immediately dismissed the claims as nothing more than their overactive imaginations. More weeks passed. By this time, Clara had completely forgotten about the encounter the boys claimed to have in the woods. While walking the family dog, Madison, and venturing further into the woods, she began to hear what could only be described as chanting. She immediately stopped, her heart racing in her chest. She continued listening to the sound. It slowly became louder, more strange and disembodied as it seemed to consume the area. She couldn't pinpoint the location of it. It was now all around her. Madison began barking and growling. Clara, entranced by the chanting, stood there continuing to listen, while the dog broke free of her lead. At that moment, she was broken free from the trance-like state she had found herself in, and chased after Madison. They did not stop till they reached the front door. Clara instantly ran inside to call her husband. Much like she dismissed Mike's claims previously, he didn't believe her. He assumed she was still adjusting to life in the country. While making dinner that night, she told Mike about what she had experienced in the woods. He assumed it was most likely a group of campers at a campsite just beyond their property. He, along with a friend, decided to check it out. As they set out for the woods, they found an overlook near the campsite. However, there was no one there. There were no signs of any campers nearby. The boys then began walking back to the house. All of a sudden, they heard what could only be described as the sound of an axe hitting a tree next to them. At that point, they heard the sound of a woman screaming off to their left. Terrified by this... The two boys took off running back to the house. By that point, Mike was confused and terrified. Not only could he not explain his mother's experience, but there was no way to explain his own experiences. This was only the start of the strange occurrences that would soon take place there. A few months into living in the new home, no further experiences had been had. Things were normal and peaceful for the family. One afternoon, Phil decided to take the children back to Buffalo to get some things that they had left behind. Clara chose to stay home and not go along for the ride. She lay on the sofa, immersed within the pages of a book, when she was abruptly disrupted by the sound of the window slamming shut. Upon getting up to investigate, she found that there was no breeze and no reason for the window to have been closed. Despite the strangeness of the situation, once again, she dismissed it and returned to her book. A few nights later, as Mike lay asleep in his bed, he was suddenly awoken by a chess game falling from a shelf above him and landing on his chest. His eyes immediately shifted upward towards the shelf, and was shocked to see more boxes inching toward the edge of it on their own, as if some unseen force was purposely moving them. In an instant, the lowest box on the shelf was immediately ripped from it and thrown onto him. Mike shot up out of bed, gasping for air. He called out to his mother, whom came running to his aid. He attempted to explain what had just happened, but at that moment, Another box was thrown across the room, this time with more force. Mike and Clara screamed and fled the room. (coughs) By that time, Clara had came to a realization. She was determined that whatever had been lurking within the woods had slowly been stalking her family, and had finally made its way into the house. Terrified for her family's safety, she reached out to a local priest, Father Alphonsus from St. Bonaventure University, in hopes of finding a solution to their unwanted house guests. On April 13, 1975, the priest came to the home to perform a cleansing ritual. The family gathered together with him as he began to speak. The house let out a series of moaning and wailing noises that echoed through the night, as if it were crying. The family found themselves overtaken by the scent of something on fire, as the house seemed to protect itself from everything going on. The activity reached a high point when the priest began to pray over the room beneath the stairs. However, after doing so, it went silent. It felt as if it were all over the priest gathered his things and left the home. Everything went back to normal. The family was able to once again feel at peace in the home. That is till three months later to the day of the priest's visit when things took a turn for the worst. That night while Phil was away on a business trip, Clara was awoken by a series of knocks coming from within the walls. The knocks were accompanied by the sound of disembodied whispers. Claire climbed out of bed and slowly made her way downstairs. Once she reached the main level of the house, she watched as an apparition of a young girl walked past the staircase, opened the door to the room beneath the stairs, and closed it behind her. After mustering up the courage, Clara followed suit and opened the door to the room. To her surprise, it was empty. The girl she had seen was gone. She then left the room to check on her children, who had been fast asleep and completely oblivious to the situation. The next morning, Beth awoke before the rest of the family and went about her daily morning routine. Getting dressed, feeding her bird, and brushing her hair. While she was looking in the mirror, she noticed her bird in the background, not being its normal self. She turned around to find it oddly staring into the corner of the room. Beth turned back toward the mirror and was met by the apparition of a young girl. Her face was sunken in, and the spots where her eyes should have been were mere blackened gaping holes lacking any resemblance of humanity. Beth screamed in terror. In an instant, the girl disappeared. Startled by her daughter's screams, Clara came running into the room. At that moment, she realized the priest's blessings were ineffective. She quickly reached out to him and requested he return to the home. In response, he agreed to return, but wouldn't be able to do so till a week later. During the time the family waited for the priest to come back to the home, they attempted to live normal lives. Clara did everything she could to keep the family calm and sane. One night, while Mike and Beth were out with friends, Phil and Clara decided to watch a movie. While they were lying on the sofa, they were disturbed by a loud bang that seemed to be coming from outside. The couple raced out the front door in the direction of the sound. They were relieved to find a group of raccoons trying to go through their metal trash cans. As they turned around toward the house, they witnessed the apparition of a young girl staring back at them from the living room. In that moment, they had the feeling that there was something wrong with their daughter. They ran as fast as they could inside and made their way to Beth's room. They found her, incoherent, staring into her mirror they tried to get her attention but she was completely unresponsive the girl's once pale blue eyes had turned to a dark menacing black after shaking her back to consciousness she was unaware of what had taken place she also could not recall how she had made it back home all of a sudden there was a sound coming from Mike's room Bill told the girls to wait while he checked it out. Before he made it to the threshold of the door, the phone rang. It was Mike. He was calling to see if he could stay with his friend Randy that night. Upon informing him of the situation, Mike decided to come home with Randy joining him. Once inside, the family attempted to determine a course of action. The girls sat holding each other while Phil, Mike, and Randy tried to come up with the plan. At that moment, every light in the house went out. The sound of banging and scratching could be heard coming from the room beneath the stairs. Armed with flashlights and Phil taking the lead, they made their way down to the room. With every step they took, the sounds became louder. After a few seconds, they reached the door. Phil nervously turned the knob and opened it. The fireplace that they had seen previously was torn apart. Its bricks sat neatly stacked in the center of the room. Clara immediately called Father Alphonsus once more. She begged him to return sooner than he originally planned. He agreed and made arrangements to come later that night bringing along with him a paranormal expert, Alex Tannis. Tannis was a well-known and respected expert and paranormal researcher, and psychic, whose abilities were studied at the American Society of Psychic Research. When the men arrived at the home, they were led inside and escorted to the room beneath the stairs. Tannis was aware that the family had been having issues, but he hadn't been provided any additional details regarding the experiences. As he stepped into the room, he was struck with a vision. He could see a rotting pile of human corpses lying in the very center of it. Once it subsided, he told the family of what he had seen. He believed many people had passed away in the house. Some of the deaths were the result of natural causes... And others were due to being murdered. He believed the house at one time may have been an inn where people would stay overnight. He went on to state that there had been a possible gang of criminals in the area that would rob and murder them. When the bodies were discovered, being the only stopping point around, they would be held in the room till they could be disposed of properly. Tannis believed that there were seven different spirits trapped in the home. The family, under the guidance of the priest, prayed for peace for the victim's spirits, whom had been trapped there. Once again, the home was cleansed. The family was left feeling optimistic, and as though they had finally had resolve. However, for Mike and Randy, they weren't as convinced armed with an old map of the area the two sought out to locate the old stagecoach route they did in fact find a trail that led past the dandy home however as they continued following it they began to experience orbs of light in the trees the orbs seemed to fixate on the two and came after them forcing them to run back to the house Clara was beside herself she didn't know what to do. She knew the family needed to move, but all of their money was invested in the home. She cried herself to sleep that night. The following morning, the family went about their day as normal. Randy had stayed over from the previous night, so Mike left to take him home. Several hours had passed and Mike still hadn't returned. Clara had began to worry about his whereabouts... A knock came from the front door, where a police officer was found standing outside. He informed the family that there had been an accident, and they needed to get to the hospital right away. Upon their arrival, they were told that Mike had lost control of his vehicle and had ran his car into a ditch. He was in bad shape and was undergoing emergency surgery. While waiting on the surgery to be completed... The officer that had came to their door also came to speak to them at the hospital. He confirmed that Randy had been dropped off at home and that the accident happened on the way back to the Dandy residence. He went on to tell them that Mike kept claiming that there was another person in the car with him at the time of the accident. However, after an extensive search, they found no other person or body. Mike was in a coma for two weeks before finally waking up. He, of course, had no recollection of what had happened. Clara was convinced that whatever had been plaguing her family had also caused Mike's accident and was in the car with him at the time. After several months of recovery and continued paranormal activity in the home, Clara requested Father Alphonsus and Alex Tanis to return. They agreed to do so, and returned one final time. However, this time the family wasn't allowed to be involved in the cleansing process. As Tanis and the priest made their way from room to room, Tanis continued to experience visions of the spirits in the home. He was able to identify a young man that had been injured in a war. Another identified was that of a young girl who died due to a terrible illness. Tannis identified another spirit. It was the spirit of an old, vengeful woman. She was said to be possessive and wouldn't allow the others to move on. They assumed that she was the cause of the activity in the house. Father Alphonsus decided to take a different approach to the cleansing than before. Although an exorcism could not be performed on a place, but rather on the person within it, He felt that some of the rites could help to intensify their prayer in this case. At that moment, he began to perform the rites of exorcism on the house itself. The house shook and moaned in response. Banging and scratching could be heard coming from all over. The process took several hours, but eventually, the home went silent. It appeared to have worked. However, just as before, three months later, the haunting activity returned. The family couldn't take it anymore. They finally decided to cut their losses and move on. After a failed attempt at selling the house, they were forced to declare bankruptcy. As a result, Phil and Clara eventually divorced, ultimately bringing a terrible end to an already terrible situation. After several years, the house was purchased by Daniel Klaus. Daniel is a well-known paranormal investigator, and has been featured on several national television programs, focused on paranormal research over the years. He spent his youth growing up in a haunted house, fueling his obsession with the paranormal world. After several years spent returning the home to its former glory, Daniel opened it up to investigators to use for research. Still decorated in the traditional 70s decor, the house remains a hotspot for paranormal activity. The story of the Dandy family home in Hinsdale, New York is fascinating to say the least. The experiences held by everyone who stepped foot into the home has, and certainly will, leave a lasting impression. This is just one of the many examples of the horrifying and mysterious insights to the thin veil that separates reality from the other. Welcome, campers, to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We're your hosts. I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. (laughs) And now the debrief. Here we are. Man, when I, when I first started the knife, I had no idea what I was saying. Yeah. I was like, well, uh yep. You're just, re-
1: just relying on muscle memory. You
0: don't get to hear that. I'm not going to leave that in. <laughs> yeah. But just know what happened. Uh, Literally, my brain shut down for like a split second.
1: Yeah. It happens, man. It's been yeah. a long week.
0: It's been a long week, dude. It really has. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's been a hot week. Yeah. A long, hot week. Awful.
0: But we're here, yeah, and we're alive. Talking
1: about uh, talking about haunting at Hinsdale House. Yeah, yeah.
0: They're not as fortunate. No. So, I mean, we have they, we at least have that.
1: Yeah, I'm sure they would have loved for their biggest complaint that year to have been, "Man, it was hot for a long time."
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: no doubt. But alas, yeah. I wanted to start by saying. A haunted house might actually be an improvement on Buffalo, New York. <laughs> so I think they made a good move regardless.
0: I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, well, I don't know. I mean, coming coming from that, but like the area that they moved to is, it is, it's super, super pretty. I mean, it's small. Yeah. S- s- like a very small town in population size, overlooks the I mean, mountain.
1: Rural upstate New York is fucking gorgeous. I mean, yeah.
0: It's gorgeous,
1: dude. The problem is that a lot of upstate New York is, uh, it's like, uh, you know how you sort of associate, like, uh, the South, the more, um, let's say the more financially struggling areas of the South tend to become like high, high crime, high drug use. Places like, like, a lot of upstate New York is like, it's like a little pocket of that in the Northeast.
0: There you know are some I mean? really posh areas, though, that are...
1: There are, for sure.
0: ...super high-cost living. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Adirondacks is filled with those little neighborhoods that... Those little tiny towns that they intentionally keep tiny. You know what I mean? Yeah. That are... Yeah. A little more affluent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, I mean... So... You
0: know, that's, that's also technically, nice.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. I mean that's the whole point is they want to preserve the nature of upstate New York so they don't allow the towns to get a certain size. Right. And take it over.
0: Yeah, no that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I mean and this town is is uh, nothing short of that. I mean, it's yeah, like I said it's it's very small, very, you know, nice quaint town whatever. I mean, you don't uh you don't expect to move there and you know have a possessed house, but <laughs> yeah such is the case here i guess apparently
1: <laughs> i mean should we talk right should we talk right off the bat like do you
0: think a house can be possessed you know i know i feel like we we've had this discussion kind of in passing a bit maybe not as like a focal point of the conversation yeah. but it's it is a good question yeah because in a traditional exorcism it is stated that no thing can be, you know, no exorcism can be formed on a thing. But instead, the human or person in which inhabits this, whatever, right? Yeah. And so...
1: The demon.
0: Right. But who is to say that if, you know, if given, again, your stance on demons, demonic possession, whatever else, who's to say if, if that is the case... Why can't and why can't it possess an area? Sure, it um. To me, it
1: feels sort of like a cross pollination between the like classic idea of ghosts and demons mixed with like Stone Tape theory. Yeah, right. Like, because it's an inanimate yeah, object agreed. absorbing the whatever the energy is. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's weird. Um, I don't. I don't really know my stance on. I know that I tend to like I tend to scoff at the idea of like haunted dolls.
0: Yeah, just the whole and, like, haunted haunted objects in general. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, yeah but I think fair. a part of that is probably because people have made it so ridiculous online. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I know I've mentioned before like the dude that sits and talks to a fucking Asks questions to a teddy bear for, like, two hours on Instagram Live. And, you know, shocker, the teddy bear never answers it I mean, questions. probably not, yeah. It's, yeah, so that's the type of shit I think of when I think of haunted objects. But, like, I think the way you said it makes more sense. Like, it's an area where maybe this entity, it's like it, that entity's stomping grounds. Right. Right.
0: Like, maybe it refuses to leave... So, therefore, it's literally possessing that, that right. spot. Owning it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I... I... I would... Okay, this story, the first thing that got me was the idea that, like, the ghosts weren't in the house at
0: first, right? Right. I mean, the family lived there for a while before any of this started happening, yeah. but... That's also ten. That tends to be commonplace for stories like this. Right? But like, like they the lived there for a the, year before yeah, anything started happening. Anything, whatever, right?
1: Yeah. But the idea that the that the ghosts, the sp- whatever, the ghosts were in the forest, right? Yeah. And they encountered them in the forest, and then the ghosts follow them home. That freaks me out.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. the like. Whenever they're in this wooded area, this forest that surrounds their home, I mean that's where they first, like the Mike and his friend, first see the apparition of the boy. Yeah, you know, and that they follow him because he's not responding, and they're you know Mike's basically telling him like this private property, you shouldn't be here. But as they get closer, they could they realize oh we can see through you, and we can also see your brain. Yeah, so
1: (laughs) forest adventures with friends are the best right residual hauntings not so much yeah like it's not really what you want to encounter while you're out hanging out in the woods
0: right and then the next encounter that was had was from clara when she was walking madison and happens to you know happens upon that uh chanting that just the chanting yeah 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 um which is which is also kind of weird so it's like, it makes me wonder, maybe there was something else more that happened in this forest than we know of, sure. especially when we were hearing like this disembodied chanting and stuff like, and silly makes me think of like a ritual or something that had maybe taken place.
1: Yeah. It's very like uh satanic panic era. Yeah, for sure. Haunting. Right. Like the idea that there are some like angsty teenagers out in the forest yeah. and talking to the devil and that's what caused all mm-hmm. this.
0: Yeah. That that very uh-huh. well could be too. Or it could be like this ancient, you know, well, ancient, I say ancient. Maybe it was like 1800s or something. Yeah. You know, like whatever back in this time that this was a stagecoach route or stagecoach route. Yeah.
1: The thing that got me about that um encounter was the fact that their dog was like terrified. Yeah. And ran home.
0: The dog was right? uh, it was described as being like super antsy and Started like barking and growling, and all yeah. she's hearing is just this chanting.
1: And if it, like if if you've ever heard me talk about the one scary paranormal encounter that I've had, the scariest thing about that was that my dog was terrified of what was going on. And right. I'll
0: say I'll say it again: dogs are generally good judges of character, or yeah, you know, can can sense a, a bad situation.
1: Yeah, for sure. I trust it. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So, and- and
0: so that's
1: the that's the part that got me, but my favorite part was when she tells her husband, and her husband is like, Oh, you're just not used to country life. Right. You <laughs> know I mean? Like get used to yeah. ra- get used to random chanting in the forest. She was used to buffalo living.
0: Life. I mean, you know, this we're we're up in the country here, you know. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah chanting. That's normal. <laughs> <laughs> totally normal. <laughs> Not normal at all. Right. Uh
1: I like how they like they took turns in the story being the like stereotypical dismissive parent.
0: Yeah. I, I mean <laughs> which I mean, be fair, like, you know, you the first one is Mike and his friend that happened to see that that boy, right? Sure. So like they might have, you know which I, I don't know, because he's also a teenager. Yeah. Like You know, I I wouldn't say, oh, it's just your overactive imagination. You know, you're a child. To a 17-year-old. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I mean, you know, they weren't used to that. It's that, like, typical cliche, like, you know, obviously they're not going to buy into anything until it happens to them sort of thing. Yeah. But
1: it's, um, I mean, to be fair, a full-body apparition is a strong starting point. Yeah. Oh, for, you know what sure? I mean, for yeah. that to be the first brush with whatever this is, that's pretty heavy.
0: Yeah, so that's pretty cool. I like that. Um, yeah, and then after Mike and 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 his buddy go in after Clara tells you know tells the husband he doesn't buy into it, and then she tells Mike because well she realizes oh yeah you something strange happened to you out there too. Yeah, they're like all right we're gonna go check it out. <laughs> yeah, you know like assume it's campers because. At that point, I would, you know, why wouldn't he think, oh, then maybe there is something like he's, but Mike's just like, oh, it's probably just campers nearby. These campers just yeah. having a good old sing along, I guess. I mean, of all people,
1: we know how spooky campers can be. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to do welcome. that sometime. Go to like a campground or something and just get like a group of people, have it all pre planned out. Yeah. Just late at night, just like start chanting just random <laughs> words and see if it like messes with anybody.
1: I thought you meant like invite all the campers out to have a huge camp out. Oh, that would be cool too. Yeah.
0: Campfire Fest?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's the thing that um you know, the podcast scared to death. Yeah. They they do that once a year. They do like uh where they they sell tickets to, you know, and they have like speakers and they have like live bands play and stuff and I mean, it's like on a campground, and everyone we'll camps do the same out. thing.
0: We'll call it Campfire Festival. We'll rent out an island, and <laughs> ju- <laughs> just campfire <give> every- <laughs> two words. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give everybody like peanut butter sandwiches, yeah, and just like
1: pop tents,
0: yeah, just like little pup tents, yeah. And then everybody Perfect. that we plan will randomly, you know, just cancel, yeah, exactly. And then we won't show up either so
1: not at all i'm not going <laughs>
0: no i mean he, he was at least you know a part of it kind of yeah um, sort of yeah. so
1: uh so they call the priest right so they call the this. priest yeah
0: yeah so that's, Wait, that's
1: after the board games right the invitation for board games well happened before yeah, the priest right? yeah
0: yeah like you know mike gets uh, try he has he has his friend you know in the room uh-huh. his new friend he doesn't know about him yet trying yeah. to get him to play some games one night and he just gets a little angry
1: yeah a little <laughs>
0: concerned i like that he just throws it on his chest like yeah fucking play
1: chess with me yeah. asshole <laughs> yeah
0: i don't need to ask you again right but he does yeah yeah. You know, then he takes which i thought was funny because like after mike looks up he like looks at the the shelf and he sees like these boxes starting to slow slowly move toward the edge. Yep. And he's just kind of watching it, and all of a sudden the bottom box on the shelf gets thrown across the room. Not even the top one, the bottom yeah. one.
1: Like pulling a tablecloth out from under <laughs> the china. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. He's just doing so like anyway, parlor yeah. tricks.
1: After this, they, they call the priest, right? Yeah. They end Al- up Alphonsi? Uh yeah. Uh,
0: Father Alphonsus. Al- Alphonse. From st Bonav- like bonaventure university yeah so yeah nice he comes out you know like he's he's like yeah you'll know, come out and you know he comes by himself of course uh does a little just does a little prayer with the family yep and um
1: a little light cleansing right the house and, is uh, sad
0: but everything fixes is good. the problem for right. a
1: minute yeah right And then as we see over and over again, it comes back after every three three
0: months months to the day that the father, that they do the cleanse.
1: And then when it comes back, it's worse than ever. Yeah. Right. Then like they start seeing like the full body apparition and like the knocks and whispers Mm -hmm. together, which reminded me a lot of, uh, the possession case we just did recently. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Mm
0: hmm. So yeah, I mean that's they started getting a lot of that, and, and
1: there's this super fucking creepy moment with the daughter.
0: Yeah, and so the bird. that so that that happens after that too, and that's when the thing kind of shits hit the fan. Um, yeah, so the daughter basically she just wakes up one morning after, and that was after the parents had had their experience. You know, they're they're yeah. having their night in banging. And then they hear a loud bang outside. Yeah. And they run outside, and it's just like a family of raccoons just doing their thing. Sure. So they're like, ha 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 ha, okay, cool. They turn back towards the house, and they see, boom, like a full-blown apparition of a girl.
1: Yeah, like the raccoons and the fucking ghosts were a tag team.
0: Right. So their their thought (laughs) is, maybe it was our daughter, so they race to the daughter's room. Mm Mm-hmm. And they find her there, which she's not supposed to be there, mind you. She's supposed to be out with friends. Yeah. They find her there just staring blankly into this mirror.
1: Like a black-eyed kid.
0: Yeah. Completely.
1: Yeah. Which creepy. is Creepy. Cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Super creepy, but it's awesome.
1: Synonyms. Creepy and cool.
0: And they're like waking her, you know, sh- shaking her, slapping her, calling her names to get her to wake up, and she finally does. Um, I don't know if they're not really slapping her, calling her names, but, yeah. you know, like... They wake her back to life, basically. Yeah. She comes to, has no recollection of what has happened or why she's even home. And then... And then
1: one of, the, one of the weirdest, funniest moments in the story, they call their son, and their son turns to his friend Randers, right? Yeah. And essentially says, like, hey, our house is under attack by demons, want to
0: come over? <laughs> like
1: who invites their friend back to their house after they find that out
0: <laughs> i mean i i doubt i doubt there he's like yeah we got some demons And the kids like i'm into a, like i'm into a story you know i like spooky things let's see what's going on or he's like we're men we'll take care of it <laughs> yeah yeah i don't it's I don't probably know. more like it's that like, you know 16 17 year old boy thinking yeah and so yeah they they come back to the house um you know, and then mom and the daughter are basically just consoling each other and
1: Yeah. And the men go out
0: to hunt. Yeah, ghosts. they they make a make a plan and they're like, alright, we're gonna do it. So <laughs> just <laughs> I, I don't know. It's it's funny. Because the mom had seen the apparition of the girl walk into that room previously. Yeah. I just like we should have just named this story the room beneath the stairs because Right? That's how I kept referring it to, uh, to it as. It just sounds creepier that way. Yeah, um, I mean,
1: I think of it as, like, a giant Harry Potter room.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, basically. With everything, um, like, complete. I I think of it... Do you remember uh, the movie The Hunting in Connecticut? Yeah. Where he's sleeping in, like, uh, like the basement room. Because he, yeah. he has cancer treatment, so they end up getting a house closer, yeah. And ends yeah. up uncovering that room, gets into that room after a while of trying to... And it's, like, the the guy's old, like, medical lab, basically. Yeah, he like,
1: sees all the fucked-up doctor
0: stuff. Right. It's, like, yeah. I think of that as this room, you know, to a degree. Like, yeah, it's been untouched for years. Nobody's been in there. But the rest of the house is, like, pristine, great condition. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: They find one of the weirdest things I've ever heard in a haunting story. They find the fireplace having been disassembled and stacked up neatly in materials that one stacked I,
0: I yeah it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me and that's kind of just my I guess yeah that's my understanding on how it was set up was that basically the fireplace had been completely just taken apart like I don't know maybe it was going back to a time before it was actually in there and showing yeah. like something from previous or something you know it's hard to say but yeah these or bricks just, just poltergeist
1: it could have just been poltergeisting and pulling shit apart
0: I mean, you know what I mean, that was nice Breaking of them, stuff. Yeah. especially to stack the bricks and everything. Now I just kind of throw them around.
1: around. Yeah, that's true. This is a precise poltergeist. Those Ain't
0: are the leaving. best kinds.
1: Yeah. You don't want a messy poltergeist.
0: No, not at all. I don't want one. I can be like, hey, I'm leaving. Please clean the house. Yeah. You want the kind of poltergeist
1: <laughs> that's going to rinse their bowl after they eat oatmeal. Exactly. You know,
0: oatmeal, yeah. flesh. I don't know.
1: <laughs> Whatever they're eating, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, that was that was super weird with the fireplace.
0: Yeah, it's it's very it's it's just very random, honestly. Yeah, but you know, it's also important. Like this, that's that these when, random uh, things are are happening. Yeah,
1: I mean, that's those little bits of high strangeness are what make these cases cool and unique. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like for sure special special experiences that people are having that because. As you mentioned at the start of your story, like, it is after years of doing this, it's easy to kind of let these stories run together. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's another haunting. Yeah. And you're just just watching the classic progression of a haunted house. But these little details really make a difference. They
0: do. They do. And the fact, like, I think just the amount of times they've seen, like, an actual apparition, yeah full-blown apparition i think is is very unique we don't get we don't get a lot of that in stories like we may get something here and there or some unseen force yeah what was it the uh the adley or uh i think it was the adley family the one the new york one yeah where like she walks to the window and looks at the river and Uh, feels someone standing next to her yeah yeah. and walks like it walks with her back to the doorway to the hallway and she's like all right i'll leave from here now like by myself yeah you know like but it was only she ever felt those things
1: yep the only um, time she ever saw an apparition was while she was painting yeah remember she's yeah, painting the the room and turns and sees an apparition sitting the in old the chair man, yeah
0: yeah mm, that's true yeah so like we don't get a lot of that yeah and so that's, that's that's also really cool to this case
1: these people see like a dozen
0: yeah right exactly
1: <laughs> it's wild so after the fireplace incident with during the you know, the power cuts off and all that and they yeah. find the fireplace. After that they call the priest back, and this time he brings a paranormal expert slash psychic.
0: Alex Tannis.
1: Which, by the way, Tannis is a fucking fantastic podcast, and after you listen to this, you should go start it from the very beginning and listen to every single episode, because it's brilliant. It is brilliant fiction in the style of like Investigative reporting with paranormal shit, dude. It's so good. All right, it's so good.
0: There we go. So, a little plug. Ten out of
1: ten. Recommend. Yeah, yeah. But Alex Tannis, yeah, he's a psychic.
0: Yeah, paranormal investigator and psychic, and he, yeah. uh they, of course, walk into the room because that's where all the shit seems to be coming from. Yeah, you know that was the source of like the the scratches and the whispers and stuff. All seem to like. Come from this room, so everything that keeps happening yeah. keeps pointing to us. So he walks in, and he's bitch-slapped by <laughs> by the vision. Yes, he is. We couldn't do it for the story, so I had to do it now. <laughs> yes, he was bitch-slapped by a vision.
1: Yeah. Of uh, a pile of corpses. <laughs> a
0: pile of rotting deceased, corpses.
1: Deceased bodies. Deceased bodies. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Ah, uh, yes. Precisely. Yeah.
1: Um, this... I struggle so much with psychics. So much. Because, like, he's in there for, I don't know, even if he's in there for three hours. You know what I mean? Which I doubt. Yeah. Before he starts, like, giving them the history of this house he's never been to or read about.
0: I mean, like, my understanding he's, like, walks in, he's just, like, literally punched in the face. Yeah. Doesn't he, he's, he hasn't even been in there. Yeah, He's like, stepped foot. It's See, like, all this, and he's like, alright, let me tell you, you're home. <laughs> Erected in 1837. Right. By John. See,
1: and- that's, uh, this is the shit that gets to me, like, I is this guy just making shit up? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, does anyone check? I mean. Does anyone, like, look into historic records? Well, the
0: thing is, after this, after um, Mike and Randers weren't convinced about the thing you know about the home being fully rid of it after you know after the fact yeah so they end up finding uh there's like an old map of the area that shows this old stagecoach trail right and it passes it does pass right in front of their home okay but so, what does
1: that have to do with like a band of criminals who lived there i mean and i feel like that's killed just like and robbed people
0: that's assumption at that point i bet there was that's... probably some criminal activity it was 1800s <laughs> we got a band of robbers out there doing their robbing stuff and yeah,
1: just stacking corpses in the basement <laughs> stacking
0: bodies yeah
1: like it just feels like the guy comes in and just starts writing a screenplay i mean at that you point what you mean? can
0: say there's no other there's no other place around what are they going to do with them all right, they have a place that they throw can them throw, throw the them woods. down here until they can take them to the proper town the next, you know, next day or whatever.
1: I mean, who takes their corpses to town?
0: I mean, they're proper, surrounded by forest. That's where you put them. A proper coroner or you know, medical like inspector guy. No,
1: I mean the criminals.
0: Like, I, they, the, I assume these bodies were found. They were probably found out there, just like murdered to death.
1: I thought he said that the band of criminals were living in the house and keeping the bodies under the stairs.
0: He described this place as being an inn, like a uh, a stop, um, okay. whatever, yeah. um, you know, a, a last stop, basically, in this area. And it was like the only only stop for miles. So he assumed okay. that there had been some criminal activity, and these bodies were found, and they were brought to this inn. And put into this room just so they could hold him until... Because a lot of these cases, it was, like, late at night or something when they'd be found. Alright, that feels more plausible. Right, yeah. yeah. So,
1: yeah, that makes a lot more sense than um, him just coming in and saying, like, this gigantic house was probably some kind of bandit stronghold. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, yeah, so he sort of gives them a history, or at least something to go on, right? Because, uh... Mike and Randers go out in the forest looking to find this, this old stagecoach route. Right? Yeah,
0: and they they end up finding, you know, a path that you know does does line up and everything. So, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. kind of lining up with what with what Tannis had said. Yeah. Um, however, at that time, they spot these glowing orbs in the forest. Yeah, that chase after them.
1: Fucking aggressive <laughs> spook lights. It's it's rare, but honestly, that whole con- that concept scares the shit out of me. Yeah, the idea of just be being chased by okay by a light. If this if this one encounter here with the spook lights took place, you know, um, a quarter mile from a military base, and it was in 1988. This would be a UFO case. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. You ever think about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, same as like if if so many of the experiences they had in the woods were alone were separated from the rest of the experiences, yeah they would be a they would be considered a Class B Bigfoot encounter yeah where you don't see it, you just hear it it throws things and you know what I mean I'm telling you, man, it's all the same thing.
0: <laughs> I mean, I feel like now we just we have a lot more understanding and it's a lot more popular than you know, back then it wasn't as like mainstream I guess
1: I think I don't know man I think uh, if anything we we know more of what we don't know does that make sense like yeah because at least in my experience the more you the more you get into this stuff the bigger it gets not the smaller you know what I mean like you don't understand it more you just you know more of the unknowns Mm -hmm. right yeah I don't know. I, I think about that all the time. Like those class B Bigfoot encounters that people have, where like rocks are thrown and there are tree knocks, and mm-hmm. or they hear like whooping in the distance or whatever. Like, if that were in a house, it would be called a poltergeist.
0: You know what I mean? That's fair. A lot of these things are just capable of making a lot of the same noises. Sure. Or Maybe. you work with or it's what all you're given,
1: right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: And a house, I suppose so. They have walls, they have floors, they can knock and stuff. In the woods, there's trees. Knocking on trees. Yeah. Rocks, whatever else, right? Yeah.
1: So who's to say all those, like, all those class B Bigfoot encounters aren't, they're not encountering just a spirit in the forest, right? Maybe. Who's to say every Bigfoot encounter isn't a forest spirit?
0: That's true. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Think about that, people.
1: I just think it's all the same thing. I think I talk about it all the time. I know I'd I probably yeah. I harp on and on about it, but I yeah I think it's all the same. I don't I
0: don't know I don't know how I feel about that. I mean when, I can I can see your reasoning behind it, mm-hmm. but I feel like there's just there's something bigger, It's something more.
1: You mean more diverse? Like yeah. there's a a larger range of things right. that people are yeah. experiencing. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. I mean I understand that too. I obviously I'm not like sold on any of it it's just that's the one i always fall back to like it just makes the most sense to yeah. me in most cases i just know that if those spook lights were 60 feet up in the air above the treetops people would be talking about they would say like we saw a ufo
0: yeah agreed you know agreed. I mean?
1: and does 60 feet of altitude really change all it changes is the perception of the maybe
0: witness. they were ufos and they were chased by ufo
1: yeah that's yeah that's mm-hmm. what i'm saying yeah
0: it could be one or the other we don't know
1: and or it could be something bigger than all of those like bigger than ufos or ghosts it very or well it could be bigfoot it could be you know
0: maybe it's the yeah. rapture <laughs>
1: <laughs> everything's the rapture <laughs> oh man i mean you never honestly, know right it, honestly in this story i feel like mike and randers are the real mvps yeah i oh, agreed. agree like They race home to help. They're out in the forest looking for stagecoach routes. They're like, they're into it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it bums me out what happened to Mike. You know what I mean? Like, when you first hit that part in the story, I was like, fucking Mike is dead. (laughs) Like, Mike died? That would be a wild turn. That
0: would have been, that would have, yeah. That would have been. But he very
1: nearly did die. He did. I mean, he was in a coma for weeks, right? Yep.
0: Yeah, he was in a coma for two weeks before finally waking up. And then, of course, months of just recovering. And all the yeah. while, the family still plagued by all these experiences. <laughs> Mike's so probably crazy. getting, like, chessboards thrown at him. And he's like, damn it, bud, I can't get out of bed right now. Right. He's like, my hands don't work. <laughs> Read the room, buddy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so then they have the third and final visit. Right. Right. Um, and this is where a priest performs an exorcism on a house. On a
0: house, yeah. So, I, like, I get the way of thinking. Like, he's like, there's something bigger at play here, something that they can't get rid of just by these normal cleansing, you know, rituals that they normally do. So he's like, right, what better way to use? What better better thing to do than to use like the exorcism rites, like. Yeah, it's going to be a lot that's more like, powerful with you know through prayer and stuff like that. You know that's that was yeah. The way that's I think like it.
1: the that's like the priest's trump card. Yeah, like exactly. Nothing else works. You pull out that fucking little tiny Vatican exorcism how to manual. You know
0: <laughs> exorcisms Not for dummies mention, Yep. Not
1: to mention the whole time they're there, Tanis is just getting bitch slapped left and right with visions. <laughs> <laughs> just like every room he walks <sighs> in.
0: Another one. It was boy. Oh goodness. Oh, there's an old lady. Damn it, she there's... won't stop. I can see her. I feel her. I have
1: <laughs> I it's a real pet peeve of mine when people count ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. It like it's something that just always gets under my skin. It's what if like, they're people truly people seeing these things? Out. I mean, sure, they could. It just I hate when someone comes into a haunted place or into like a possessions situation and they're like, there are 13 ghosts in this house. Yeah. Like, are there?
0: What if he's like, there's sure? one in the corner, there's actually one standing right in front of you right now, it looks like you guys are about to kiss, and you're kissing. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> it's, um, I don't know, I mean, it just bothers me, because, like, you would have to assume so much knowledge about what a ghost is Yeah. to yeah, feel confident counting them, you know what I mean? Like, how do you know that's not 13 faces of the same entity?
0: You yeah. know what I mean? I mean? Unless a spirit as a whole feels different than just saying, like, there's a ghost here. Like, if you can actually feel, like, a full-blown singular spirit sure. and be able to, like, count those, then I suppose it'd be possible. I mean, I guess I can't
1: assume their, their experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I've like I've been in situations where I am 100% certain that something is a fact because I feel it. You know what I mean? That's true, like, and you know, maybe, maybe, it just always feels so like cheapening to me, like when priests that are exercising demons not like jogging right when when they're exercising and they're like you have forty seven demons inside you, like
0: who number one why? out with you <laughs>
1: right. Uh I yeah. just start hearing like uh five hundred bottles of beer on the wall. Right. You know, and they're just like
0: take one, tossing down, yep. each
1: demon out. Yeah. Take one down, toss it around. Yeah, I mean thirty eight demons in the boy now. I,
0: I yeah, I I I understand for sure.
1: Yeah, but I mean maybe maybe in those moments they have greater insight than I can imagine having in those moments. You know what I mean? I mean, that very well could be,
0: I I don't possess that ability to be able to know for sure, you know? Yeah. Sam, Like, I just imagine them seeing like peeking through this veil and they're like, yep, there's one there, 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 there's five (laughs) plus the three upstairs, two downstairs. Yeah. That brings us to a whopping. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't, maybe, I, I feel. I mean, I feel like
0: in in regards to because he didn't say ghosts. Yeah, he did say spirits.
1: Sure. Is there a difference? Is there? What's the? I don't know. I don't. I don't fucking know either. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I feel, use them interchangeably. Personally. I feel like there
0: is. Yeah, yeah, I feel like a spirit is more residual, whereas a ghost is more like in the in between. Okay, are talking so you like full blown like, things,
1: like classic definitions. Of a ghost would be, like, the spirit of a human being left behind after the body dies.
0: Right. Not the spirit. But
1: spirit, you think, more of, the, like...
0: The energy left over. Spirit, I think, okay. more as... See, that's tough. It's tricky, right? Yeah, it really is. Yeah. But spirit more as, like, it's everything that embodied that person. Okay. Not just the energy, but the its core.
1: Wouldn't that be the soul, right? Spirit Person's and the soul. soul, yeah. I'm, but isn't that what a ghost is? Is the soul left over after the body dies? But
0: see, I don't. I don't think. I don't think a ghost is a soul. No. Uh. Uh-uh. What the fuck is a ghost then? I, I. I would say spirit and spirit and soul could use, be used interchangeably. Okay. But
1: I don't know. But a ghost is what then?
0: It's uh. Like it stink. Okay. You know. Okay. Like that stink radiating off of it. Like it just t- yeah stays around for a while, lingers,
1: so I'm reminded of like um Madame Blavatsky, who was basically started spiritualism in the u s she had a theory about what ghosts were, and she believed that ghosts were the embodiment all the of all the trauma that a person goes through it during their life that you strip away from your soul before you ascend to the afterlife.
0: they could be it too. Yeah. Right? So that would put a soul and that spirit really together.
1: Right? Sure. Yeah, and the ghost is sort of like the dregs of yeah. the human experience.
0: I like that right. idea. Yeah. I think that could be possible. The stink. Always like that All one. It's interesting. Stuff. Yeah.
1: Sure. It's also sort of like you can see how it's based on like a lot of old school Christian beliefs. Like the idea that when you arrive in heaven, you're your perfect self. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like everything bad that ever happened to you is all your earthly concerns are stripped away. And like, if you lost your leg in the war, then suddenly you have your leg back when you're in heaven. And true. You know what I mean? Like shit like that. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. But it also kind of bums me out because it's like a whole religion saying like, that's a thing that's wrong with you. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it really gets, it really gets weird when you talk about like people who have autism or people who have, you know, any range of mental illnesses. Yeah. Right? Like just became just are, become
0: like perfectly capable functioning human beings. Right.
1: Like then the question becomes are they not perfect as they are? Right? Yeah. Like yeah, so that's where I kind of lose track.
0: I mean, a lot of that like, just doesn't add up regardless, you know. Yeah, of course. So there's 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 bound to be a lot of questions there yeah and what makes what makes things right yeah i i I had a conversation recently with someone um about religion uh talking like we were talking about aliens and we led into this just kind of heated debate um and you know like we were we were talking about like um it was more so along the lines of like you know if you don't believe then then what do you what do you think happens to you after you die whatever else and it was like well the eternal question i think i think personally say there is something bigger out there and maybe i maybe i'm not educated enough to make that decision whether or not i fully believe or that you know i'm already there or whatever else like does that matter no i think in the end as long as you like live your life as a good person it's healthy to question things it's healthy to have like opinions and he's like well what, like, what makes that better than a person, you know, that's lived their entire lives thinking that way or lived their entire lives as like, I fully believe in this. Sure. How does that make you any better? Or how does that make you an equal to them? Sure. And my argument was, how doesn't it? Right. You know, I like, it's just, yeah, it's, it's one I... of those, yeah, one of those things. And it, it just going back to like, what makes them a perfect person? Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm personally, I'm of the opinion that both of those lives are equally noble. I think whether you're, whether you're a positive force on earth because you believe there's an afterlife and Jesus is going to give you a big warm hug when you get there. Or if you're living a positive life for the sake of living a positive life, I think it's not a zero sum game. I think it's, I think it, both are are equally noble right Mm -hmm. um yeah that's a big question though it is obviously
0: yeah it's and i feel like that's one that you can argue many sides of it yeah and there's always going to be a strong counter to that like there's always gonna be a strong counter side to that but i i don't think that as a whole like i mean if you're buying into like everyone everyone can be forgiven for whatever this or that and or you know repent for your sins and all is sure. forgotten sort of thing. Um like how is that not the exact same thing? Yeah. So Agreed. yeah, I, I I felt, you know, that that's kind of similar to to what we're discussing here. Kind of fits in. Well. Yeah.
1: I think so too. I think I tend to I tend to think of heaven as allegory for the life you could live if you if you maintain a positive influence on the world around you, right? Right, like, yeah, we kind of talked
0: about that a little bit. Yeah,
1: like, heaven is here, on Earth. It's how good your life could be if all you did was good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. But there's also people that all they do is good, yet get bad in return. That is true. That
1: is true. So... There is a certain randomness to the universe, right? right. A certain... And who knows if it's actual randomness or just far too big for us to be able to calculate, right? Yeah. Like, maybe it's all predetermined, but we just have no way of knowing what's coming next. So to us, it feels random. Yeah. Right?
0: That's, there you go. Yeah. That's fair.
1: It's a lot. It is. It's I like a. It's that, still I a lot. like that conversation. Yeah. I like, I like, I like philosophical conversations. Oh, agreed. Agreed.
0: So it's. Uh... I, yeah. Yeah. You know, being able to kind of just think about things from different sides, but also like arguing like, yeah, I mean, you know, what what sets those sides apart in the end? Yeah. There's not a whole lot.
1: The problem is people hold their beliefs very close to their heart and equally close to their tempers.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. So oh, I mean <laughs> it Yeah, it can get it can get pretty heated yeah. sometimes. It can. Yeah. It can.
0: And you know, it's which is which that's fine. As long as you know, as long as that doesn't get taken Too far out of what the intended purpose or the intended conversation had initially started at.
1: I I love a heated debate, but you you want the kind where you shake hands afterward. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 There's no need to lose friends over ideology.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's silly. Yeah. Agreed. Everyone's entitled to their own opinions and beliefs and whatever else.
1: Yeah. Live and let live. Live and let live. That's it. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. I mean, I the whole the whole kind of thinking going back to the beginning of our conversation, um whether or not something can become possessed or if in fact only a person, do you feel like you know kind of discussing thinking about it a little bit, do you feel like you've came to a conclusion or still kind of yeah, at that I think so, really not sure,
1: okay, so I've come to think of this this action that the priest took as more effective than i originally saw it. So, it's not just like you described. It's not that the house itself is possessed, right? So, this possession or this exorcism that he does is more like an area of effect spell. Yeah. You know what i mean? Yeah, like true. he just lays it down and and try he's trying to clear the area. Mm-hmm. And if anything he uses the rites of exorcism as more like a like a boost. To what he was already doing, yeah. That's right? that's
0: exactly what I think. I mean, he was using it to intensify it already. Yeah, your know, use of prayer.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I maybe the debate isn't even can the house be possessed because I don't think he even thought that, right? I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't because that's not really how he approached it. It's not like he was like talking to the i beam.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: you know that's what I mean.
0: True. Like, true. He's.
1: I think they were like, something is here in this house and we need to get it out. Mm-hmm. Right? Wherever it is. So like if your enemy is hiding in the bushes somewhere, you just burn all the bushes down. Right? Like, that's how you do it. Yeah. Like, if you know like the guy you're trying to kill is in a compound, you just bomb the whole compound. Right? That I mean that's that's the effective warfare, right? Yeah. All right, that's so. I mean,
0: that's how they they're gonna deal with a zombie apocalypse one day,
1: right? Of course,
0: nuke the city. When the city's and, overrun. You right.
1: just nuke it, yeah,
0: and then just section off everything else. <laughs>
1: yeah. So I I think I think you did okay. I'm I'm sad to hear that like all this turmoil like ended their marriage. Yeah. Afterward, and I know I know things like this happen a lot. Like. Mm-hmm. I I imagine it's close to the percentage of like failed marriages after the loss of a child. Yeah. Right. That's that's another one where like people tend to it tends to either pull people together or drive them apart. Mm-hmm. Right. So but that that is a bummer. And I think an even bigger bummer is that this like huge, beautiful house in upstate New York ended up almost definitely at a ridiculously cheap amount sold to some paranormal tv vulture
0: <laughs> i mean yeah it, it's it's a very it's a very uh, big spot for for like investigations and stuff yeah you can actually go to haunted um check the dates there let them know that <laughs> campfire sent you for an additional nothing off
1: <laughs> i love how i call them a vulture and you <laughs> shill for them immediately after <laughs>
0: Um, another just another thing to throw out there is Clara actually went on to write a book about her experiences in the home, as most do in cases like this. Yeah. Um. You know, pretty obviously, it. pretty intense. You know. So yeah.
1: You have the title of the book.
0: It's called Echoes of a Haunting.
1: Excellent. Yeah, that'll be a link for that. Will be in the show notes too. Yeah. So for sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think. Like. I don't know. I hate the. We could probably talk for another half an hour about you know debating the merits of tv paranormal personalities (laughs) because that shit gets under my skin like please just i'll just say one thing please just remember that these people are actors first and paranormal enthusiasts second
0: yeah Yeah, without a doubt
1: these dudes are actors the women are actresses, you know. But some are seasoned
0: or well educated, you know. Sure. At least enough yeah. and to a degree to be informative.
1: Yeah. That's, I mean, obviously there's a range. Yeah. Right? Of there's a spectrum of, you know, completely useless asshole on one end yeah. and like well meaning TV personality at the other end. Yeah. Right? Unlike
0: yeah. Zach Bagans that does it clearly for entertainment. Sure.
1: Yeah. I tend to put him toward the the first side of the spectrum, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that honestly, that mostly that a lot of people don't like him because of his bro personality and yeah. like his aggressive nature. I, that's and all that's that, what does it for me, right? For me, my hatred of him started. My dislike for him. I don't hate him. I don't right, know, of him, course. Like, yeah, my, know him. But like my my dis- my dislike for him started after, well after he was famous when he started just buying up everything in the paranormal world and charging a cover price to see it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that just feels so fucking slimy to me.
0: Yep. It does well, though, because people like the thrill of these haunted objects. And... (sighs) (laughs) You know?
1: (laughs) He's single-handedly destroying the legend-tripping industry. Yeah. Like... Now all those people who would normally travel to some cool location like where something actually happened and explore the town around it and like get to know people who maybe knew someone who knew someone who was there and things like that. Instead now those people are going and waiting in line for three hours to pay 80 bucks to walk into a fucking air conditioned walls painted black bullshit room in fucking Vegas. Yeah. Because that's what we need—is more Americans thinking of Vegas as the place to go. You know what I mean? Like again, just,
0: entertainment purpose, purposes only. Uh, he
1: can fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> fuck off with that shit. Vegas doesn't need more tourism. Fucking Hopkinsville needs yeah, more tourism, without a doubt. You know Great. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Fucking this place. Yeah. Fucking Hinsdale needs tourism. Like
0: people going out and taking pictures of themselves in front of these houses and
1: Sure. More importantly, spending money at the local restaurant and yep. you know, filling up at the local gas station and
0: buying gum at the local convenience sure. mart. Yeah.
1: I mean that shit matters. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's how this tourism shows fuels you. an economy.
0: You and these towns, your businesses.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like Yeah, no, I I agree. The idea of the idea of consolidating all of it is it just hurt. It helps no one except Zach Baggins's bottom line. Right. It just it it
0: just makes it makes it more accessible to the masses versus the individual,
1: which we know always raises the value of things. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Like making things more accessible is the fastest way to cheapen something. Yeah, you know what I mean. mean, That's true. It's yeah.
0: And certainly devalues it for sure. Yeah. Okay.
1: Oh, I'm done.
0: All right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think on that note, I think this is a good spot to wrap up. This is episode 116, Haunting at Hinsdale House. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. From the
1: bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening.
0: rate and review it it's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling
1: and a special thanks to greg martin at reverent music on instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief you can find more of his tunes at reverbnation.com slash reverent it's fantastic fantastic stuff go give that a listen and that's it until next time i'm ryan
0: i'm jordan and remember, campers, stay weird and trust in the unknown. Well, uh... <laughs>